Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up? What's up? Welcome in GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. Friday free-for-all edition of the show, um, noon live edition of the show. Welcome in. Of course, brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. Here in Columbia, South Carolina, give Clint a call, 803-771-6933, or hit him up, mortgagenetwork.com slash Clint dash Hammond. And as I have learned within the last week, you can actually just type in clinthammond.com, and it'll get you there even quicker. So, if you are in the market for a new house, uh, hit Clement up. Hit Clint up. Excuse me. There, uh, C Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com is also a great way to reach him. And never a better time to buy a house. Interest rates are low, and um, he can get you hooked up. Whether it's your first time home buyer or whether you are a long term investor. So again, he's Chris. I'm Wes. Um, Chris, gotta say, man, I'm I'm working on the background here a little bit. We gotta um we, we gotta get you in with one soon. Uh, Man, I was thinking about that like for for so long yesterday and um I don't wanna say I have a plan, but it's beginning to sort to sort of percolate in my mind. I'm gonna turn yeah. my desk. Yeah. And then we're gonna we're gonna get a background going. It's gonna be better. Because cause this this ain't working. Okay, so you that that's a promise from Chris. I so my problem is this this uh, bookshelf I've got back here. Um, when I put it right behind me, it's like looks too skinny, and um, you can't really see anything. I'm trying to sort of go for the older over the shoulder look. Unfortunately, with the way we have the half and half screen, let's see, maybe maybe if we go to something like this in the future. Um, okay. Everybody will be able to see our backgrounds and then we can put a graph, maybe a bigger graphic above and below us. But, um, can you tell us about what is on, do we have like a tour of the shelf? Do we have a shelf tour? Yeah. So here's what we're working with so far. Um, God, you see, you can't even see the Gamecock central. So I, I found an old Gamecock central sign we had and it actually fit perfectly at the top of the shelf as you can see um wanted to hang one like little uh i don't know but i don't even know what this is from it's from some event we went to it had my name on it we got the uh, just a chicken uh book you've got of course and I, I need to get a bigger one mortgage network make the show possible so you know i had to throw a sponsor in there got yeah. a uh Z-verse, williams Bryce Stadium. I don't know if y'all can see that very well, but the dudes at Z-verse hooked me up with this a long time ago. Freaking awesome. Um, 3D-printed williams Bryce with the uh, Springs-Brooks Plaza on it. Um, 
And then that right there is from my buddy Patrick Davis, who um, obviously singer songwriter in Nashville, huge Gamecock fan, and uh, he is a he does the song Big Old Cock if y'all are not aware. And he shot me this uh, his new album um, that he did during quarantine. So we'll we'll see what what else gets added, but right now. That's I'm I'm thinking maybe some maybe some bobbleheads uh, like I, I might get some Braves stuff back there. Um, I might hang so I've got my Bluff Road Famous Football Club shirt on from our buddy Kev Roche. Might hang one of those potentially. I, I don't know. If y'all can give me your ideas. What what needs to go in the background? Because obviously that's a it's an important part of this thing, man. Man, I'm I'm feeling and Daniel Watts says I'm gonna have to step my game up. I agree. I'm feeling the pressure. Wes, your, your shelf is not yet complete. We, we're in the, the uh, a prototype, the beta yes. mode, beta shelf. Yes. I'm feeling the pressure. There are some things. The funny thing is there are things in this office room that I could display that would be pretty cool for the show. Uh-huh. Just not in the right places to do so. But I have some ideas. I'm, I'm going to think about that over the weekend. And we're going to we're going to work on that. So, I mean. Considering it's a the, uh, the initial, this is shelf 1.0. Um, yes. I mean, what do y'all think? Is it a, is it a decent start? I think it's a good start. We do need to fix. You're going to have to figure out sort of the the landscape, you know, like yeah, because the, the angle. Think, yeah, the angle. I think we're going to have to maybe go to which I'm fine with myself being smaller on the screen. We we don't need my my mug all up in the screen anyway. But I feel like, you know, a lot of the shows that you see, you've got that wider view. So when you got stuff behind you, you can see different things. Like if this is the angle, there's not going to be a ton going on. We'll really have to to figure that out. Yeah. That, yeah. that See that right there, I think is going to have to be. That might be it. Yeah. But then I mean, God, I feel like there's so much like space up here and so much. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We're, we're we're having a production meeting during the show about what we're gonna <laughs> what we're gonna well, do. Well, it is anything goes free for all Friday, so it's right. kind of that means we didn't plan anything, honestly, as far as the show goes. Um, we just figured we'd hang out and and talk with y'all. But um, and Kyle says you should open your blinds, Chris. But see that that's actually bad advice, Kyle, because if you open your blinds, it's gonna do this thing where the camera is going to focus on the light coming in from the blinds and then it's going to adjust to that light behind him. And then Chris's face is going to look like he's in the witness protection program and will be completely blacked out. So really now if Chris spun his desk around and had the blinds in front of him and opened them and where he was getting the light on him, maybe, but, the real next step would be to get some actual lighting that you guys wouldn't see, but would be in front of us shining on us. And that would maybe make us not look so ugly if we're apparently we're, we're pretty ugly compared, I guess, as far as what people have to say about us on here. Especially. So, ah. I know. Right. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Daniel said, I got all the super chat money. Um, I, w- I wish that was the case. I really do wish that was the case that <laughs> that I did. But um, 
All right, y'all. What's going on? How's it going? We're we've just spent eight minutes talking about backgrounds. Um, people want to uh, people want to talk about the new walk on. We can we can talk about that. Not not very often, Chris, that you are able to get a guy in who um, you know essentially is a three star prospect and was um, you know ha- had some offers. Now, granted, you, you know you never know exactly. Um, which of the schools were still coming hard after a guy or not, if, you know, if he's a walk on, but still to have that type of interest um, for a kid, for him to come in and um, commit to your program as a preferred walk on. um, And at a place like IMG Academy, which we've seen South Carolina try, you know, try to get it. Everybody tries to get involved at IMG and, um, they haven't always had a lot of success there. So to start it out with um, Colin Heinrich, a three-star offensive lineman, a kid that um, the Gamecocks add last night on on Twitter. Um, I think let, – let's talk big picture here, Chris. We have seen a concerted effort for South Carolina to um, upgrade their walk-on program, I think. And, you know, I, I think they tried to do that under Will Muschamp as well, but I believe we've seen it sort of come to fruition. This, not an in-state kid, but a, a Gamecock family, um, you know, from what I've read. But the in-state kids, especially in this class, this 2021 group, we, we've seen them land some guys that we're sitting here saying, okay, these, these are pretty good football players. These are really good high school football players that you're adding without spending a scholarship. Yeah, it is, and they've done a good job with some some guys in state that had some options, you know. And, and Heinrich's obviously not an in state guy, but I think this is a really um, quality. It's it's about as good as it gets for a walk on commitment because this is a guy that is going to have a chance to contribute, and he's also a legacy. You know, this is a guy. Wes, we saw this guy in camp. Couldn't have been last year. Two two years ago, I believe. His dad, Chuck. Uh, Heinrich played offensive line for the Gamecocks, 93-94 from Pennsylvania originally. So Colin went to uh, St. John's College High in D.C. That's where he was at the time where he rolled through South Carolina's camp, actually had a verbal offer at one time, worked out with Eric Wolford back back during that time, had some offers from some other schools, transferred to IMG Academy, as you said, Wes. So um, someone that you know kept in touch with the staff, Really, really, you could tell during the recruiting process, I remember interviewing him at one point, I think it was after that camp visit, uh, talking to him, talking to his dad, really wanted to go to South Carolina, you could tell. And so um, for for him to, you know, choose that option over, you know, maybe going to a smaller school or whatever it may have been, I haven't really been able to figure out what exactly the options were on the table. But regardless, I think this is a really nice pickup for them. This is a guy that wanted to be a Gamecock. And as far as preferred walk-ons go, uh, it's a top shelf one in terms of talent. By the way, I just got a text. Um, Colin Taylor completely approves of my background. So there's there's one person at least that uh, that likes the background. Chris, step your game up, man. I'm I'm ready to see what you got. I, I think we're gonna have to have a vote once you get yours going. Okay, we're gonna have a fan vote. A shelf and, off. Yes, a shelf off, and we'll see who. Who has the more popular one? Um, by the way, have y'all noticed that Greg, ever since he lost the bet, 
has just disappeared? Did he? Did he not make an appearance? No, I don't think he has made an appearance. He must have. He he reviewed the roster. He said, "Oh crap, six seven for EJ Jenkins," and gone. Yeah, sad. Oh man! All right, uh, okay. we got a good idea here. I do need a picture of Travis Darno behind me, um, and. Coit wants to be a smart A on Facebook and say, do they not pay us enough to purchase a razor? I mean, this is by design, right? I mean, I, we could shave this off, but I already look young enough as it is. I don't want to look like I'm still in college. So this that's is this five day this, show or whatever it's called. Yeah, that, that's my look. Coit, so. like we've already gotten a suggestion to to have a makeup artist. I'm not sure if that one was serious or not, but apparently we need lighting, a shelf, a razor, and a makeup a makeup crew. Not just makeup, a makeup crew. We need a whole new face. Apparently, um, let's see. A shock says, "What are we talking about today?" I have no idea, man. <laughs> we are talking about whatever y'all want to talk about. Y'all throw some y'all throw some questions our way. And we will hit them because there is no plan today. But I, I did want to talk a little bit. I, I know y'all like talking quarterbacks, and we, we don't have a feel yet, Chris. Uh, in my opinion, about sort of what the South Carolina recruiting cycle is going to look like at quarterback for 2022. Now, the interesting thing about that position, really every position, but certainly that position, is you're always looking ahead and you may be recruiting, you know, a a rising senior at the position, but you're also recruiting a rising junior at the position and you're sitting there um, recruiting or at least looking at, at, you know, freshmen who are, who are rising sophomores. So I, I think you, you look and, you're constantly trying to find, okay, who's going to be the guy for this cycle? Who's going to be the guy for that cycle? And then so on and so forth. Well, South Carolina um, met as, as much as you can meet via Zoom this week with um, Dylan Lonergan from um, Brookwood High School. That's in Snellville, Georgia. This is a kid that they had an offer out to with the previous staff is being recruited by South Carolina football being recruited by South Carolina baseball and a kid, Chris, I I don't have a feel yet for what, and maybe you do. I I don't have a feel yet for what the word sort of is around Georgia on, you know, the the early lean, I I guess for this kid and, and where he may be looking at, but this is a kid who absolutely can sling it. And in my opinion, fits that mold is probably being, one of the top quarterbacks or is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in his class. So someone that South Carolina clearly making a big priority here early on. Yeah. I mean, really, really putting in some legwork and, and Wes, you asked about the lean. I'll say, I, I don't know from a football standpoint, but one thing we have heard uh, is that Dylan Lonergan is, <laughs> I remember someone told me uh, he's not going to be playing football in college. He's going to be a pro baseball player. So I don't want to report that. I don't know, but it, it was it was early. I think it was last year. It was very speculative, but the overall point was, hey, this kid is really really good at baseball, right? So um, 
you know, he, he's someone that has, you know, he's a pitcher, 6'2", 210. Um, he's, he's, you know, in the 90s on his fastball and, uh, you know, is ranked pretty highly from my understanding. So he's going to have an opportunity. But, yeah, really talented guy, man. And here's the reason. I mean, you look here on the film at, at the talent level, the way the guy can, the way this guy can throw the football. Brookwood's always got a lot of talent. So this is their sort of their latest. South Carolina's got some offers out at Brookwood at other positions too. But, you know, you got to get in early on quarterbacks. They commit so early, you know, because you've got one, maybe two spots in a class. You want to jump in. You want to secure your spots. If you look at 2021, the class that just signed, most guys jumped in pretty early. Sam Heward, who was a five-star committed to Washington, committed in November of 2018. You know, I mean, you, you get early commits. You look at, the 2022 class, Wes, there's already several of the guys in Rivals.com's top 10 off the board there. Quinn Ewers has already been committed to Texas, decommitted and recommitted to Ohio State. Gunnar Stockton, decommitted from South Carolina, committed to Georgia. Uh, Walker Howard's committed to LSU, committed this summer. Brady Allen to Purdue, Devin Brown to Southern Cal. That's three guys out of the top 10. And Ty Simpson is on the verge of committing this month out of Tennessee. So, it just goes to show that twenty twenty, you know, quarterback recruiting, yeah, it starts earlier and earlier at every position, really with quarterbacks because there's a limited number of spots. Guys like to commit early. Yeah, and th- man, this kid, good grief, he uh, he's out here throwing darts. Um, you know, and, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not making this comparison at at all, but the just his movement and the way he throws the football the way almost the way he moves in the pocket he kind of looks like Andrew Luck to me just the the I don't I don't know like his body type and the the throwing mechanics there you know again I'm not saying that's what he's gonna be but that that's who sort of popped in my mind as a as a comparison and you know that there's there's sort of that that's an interesting factor there man with baseball because as we know it's very it's structured very different um, as far as how baseball players are drafted versus you know football players. So you know you know if you sign a guy for football, chances are he's he's coming to play for your team. You you certainly know he's not going to play in the NFL. Well, baseball, you know you could sign this kid, you could beat out every other team and feel like he's coming to play for your program and maybe he's going to play football and baseball for you well draft time comes around he you know he throws 96 or something gets drafted in the top 10 rounds and now you've lost your your quarterback you know for that cycle yeah so it's kind of one of those things if you think he is good enough, which he clearly appears to be a very, very good prospect, you know, you, you sort of take, I guess you, you, you have to make a decision. I'll say if if you're going to go all out on that, um, you know, you may love him as a prospect, but you are taking a bit of a risk because he's going to scare off other guys in that class as well. So I, I'll be curious to see what schools continue to take that chance what schools don't, and then it could burn a school or it could actually really pay off if, if you're able to get him, um, you know, get him to school. 
Yeah, yeah, it could. And, you know, we, we've seen uh, some of those situations with quarterbacks play out before where they, you know, had a draft decision to make at multiple spots. I mean, I'm thinking just at South Carolina, Brandon McIlwain, you know, turned down what would have been a substantial draft slot out of high school. Uh, now back in baseball, obviously, and then uh, heck, Jameis Winston is one West that that I remember. He was he was a heck of a baseball player, obviously out of high school and then into college, and you know ended up doing quite well for himself in the game of football. So that can happen. It's something that you got to consider. You know, um, I don't see man. Side note: How these baseball coaches recruiting in football is is difficult for a lot of different. You know, there's all these different nuances to it, but baseball recruiting. That's, that's a no for me. I'm out on it. I mean, I, I don't see how they manage it. Low scholarship numbers. You got to figure out the money. You got to worry about which guys can you get on campus and not cuts, walk. I mean, it's just it's it's tough. And so every now and then we see these these mergings of, of these two things. And with Dylan Lonergan, I, I got a feeling that we're we're going to see that unless at some point he sort of draws a line in the sand and says, you know what, I'm going to be a college football player or you know what, I'm just going to keep my options open. We'll see where it goes. Um, we'll see where it goes from there. But really interesting and a really good prospect in that 23 class, no doubt. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep following that. I'm, I'm efforting an interview with Dylan. He's normally a pretty responsive kid, and I, I've talked to him before. Gives gives really good interviews, really well-thought-out answers and stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to hear from him about how that went. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. You, with baseball – you're you're it's almost like you're hoping that you hit on a kid and when i say hit on a kid i i mean that your evaluation uh was correct you're hoping that you hit but almost like not too well you know like you you want him to be you literally want the guy to be just good enough to be a top college baseball player without being quite good enough to go ahead and go to the pros. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if you do too well early on, like, and they, they commit so early, man. I mean, baseball guys commit like at the same age as quarterbacks do in football, like all the top baseball guys do, or most of them probably shouldn't say all, but most of them. So you're projecting a guy. He may add five miles an hour on his fastball between you know, prior to his sophomore year and his senior year. And you're most, you know, if, if this was a different sport, you'd be like, hey, man, we got a stud. This time you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, you're yeah. like, what do you, what do you not want him to get better? So I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't know how. And then you, it's like you can't, you can't just not go after the top guys because you're scared that they're going to, you know, they're going to end up in, in, uh, MLB, so I, I don't know, man. That, that's tough. I'm with you. There, there's different. I mean, there's different reasons that all the sports have that there are difficulties, there are hurdles involved in all of them. Um, basketball, I think it's a completely different reason um, that involves shoe companies, uh, or at least it did. So you know, I, I think you. Th- there's a lot of different reasons, but baseball certainly, as far as structuring it has got to be tough. And now you're talking about, as you said, here's one of these where you got baseball, you got football, um, not to mention a quarterback trying to play both sports. We've seen it done. Don't get me wrong. We have seen it done. But it it is difficult 
to play those two sports. It's more and more difficult, I think, to play those two sports in college these days than it ever has been just because there's such a time commitment involved in it. Yeah, it is. I mean, every it's like every sport now is, you know, the, the whole sports performance side of it, the, the, the amount of, you know, the mental side of the game. You know, th- there have been rules evolutions by the NCAA, some of them to limit, you know, how much time you can spend on. But the reality is, you know, when you look at football especially, you know, the amount of time that players end up spending, some of it's mandated, some of it's not. But the fact is it's so competitive within your own team and then, you know, going out and playing in the SEC and competition South Carolina does, to use local example for them, you, you've got to put in a ton of time on it, you know. Um, same thing with baseball. I mean, South Carolina, I mean, heck, they play in the best baseball league bar none. So if you're going to go out there and compete for a roster spot on this Gamecock baseball team, I mean, you, you need to be spending tons of time on it. And, and it's just the reality is at certain times in the calendar, especially, you can't do both as effectively as you'd like, you know. So so it is different now. Um, there's just so much, I guess, infrastructure is the only word I can think of to where you can't just, okay, we're going to play football and uh, we're going to go, you know, lift weights, whatever. I mean, I, I remember when I interviewed Bob Caslin. Um, when he first got to South Carolina shortly after he was talking about playing for army back in the day. And he was like, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we lifted sometimes, um, you know, whatever. I mean, he was like, I lifted, but you know, we didn't have to. Now it's like you're, you're hanging out in the facility all the time. You know, there's just so much that goes into it that it's, it's, it's really difficult to do and do at a high level. Yep. So we'll uh, obviously keep following that recruitment and, and keep everybody updated. But um, like I said, hope to talk to him soon. Um, but let's keep it with recruiting here a little bit, Chris. And I want to talk about a guy who maybe is the fastest rising prospect. In, and, and I see y'all's questions. We're gonna we're gonna run down the questions, but maybe the fastest rising in-state prospect for the class of 2022. And that would be Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork um, right here in the Columbia area um, down the road in Irmo. And a kid, Chris, that, you know, we've been familiar with, we've been tracking, um, actually landed an offer from the previous South Carolina staff. And um, I believe that would have been Joe Cox who initially offered him. But South Carolina comes in, you have – some some local connections there. Eric Kimbrey, Dutch Fork uh, graduate. Then of course you have Justin Step. He comes in. He takes over, reoffers, and really has been made a huge priority by South Carolina. I, I would say one of their one of their top priorities. Just looking at, at how much love they have given this kid so far. But you're looking now the. <laughs> sort of the the competition here continues to grow, continues to get tougher. And just in the last week or so, I'm trying to pull up his Twitter so I can give a true rundown. First of all, two days ago, gets invited to the 2022 Under Armour All-American game. Prior to that, Antonio adds offers from Michigan, Auburn, Ole Miss, Georgia, 
and Notre Dame and Kentucky in the last week or so, last eight days or so. So we, you know, we we knew this kid was really, really, um, I think, a strong prospect, and I I think he was hurt his sophomore year, so really didn't have much as much hype coming in. I actually saw the kid at one of Perry Orth's camps when he was really young, and he flashed. Then I think he was hurt as a sophomore, was outstanding this past year as a junior. I saw him at a seven on seven practice. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Very impressive. So this to me, Chris, is going to quickly become one of those local in-state recruitments that you and I are going to be tracking very, very closely and that people I think are going to be very tuned into. Yeah, man. And, you know, and Tony, obviously, I mean, Dutch Fort, I mean, man, they, they've been so good under Tom Knotts and offensively, they got so many weapons, but Antonio really jumps out, you know, on tape, his explosiveness. You know, you don't look out and see some, you know, six four kid out there running around, but he just he's got twitch. He can run in the open field. He runs good routes, gets open, has good hands. Um, I like this guy a lot as a prospect. And I saw, you know, in the chat, uh, someone I can't give proper credit. Someone said, you know, he needs to be priority number one. Daniel Watts, we need to keep him here. I'll tell you what, man. If they don't get Antonio Williams, it will not be for lack of effort. They have really gone extremely hard from day one, um, whether it's, you know, Eric Henry, Shane Beamer, um, Justin Stepp. Those guys have really been recruiting Antonio Williams hard, working all the all the different angles. And and we've seen, like you said, Wes, you recapped it, man. He's been he's been really blowing up lately. Did <laughs> did Stepp really retweet his Auburn offer? Um yeah, yeah, he um you know, and Step is a guy. It, it was funny. Monterio Hardesty was talking about how Step was one of um, his favorite follows. You know, when he was a uh, a wide receivers coach. And how, by the way, how does Antonio Williams get out of that situation? Yes. Um, if you are watching the the highlight right now, my man was about seven yards deep in in his own end zone and somehow escaped. But um, I think Step has maybe retweeted multiple of his guys um, offers from other schools. And step has a very, he has a very different, I think he did this at Arkansas some too. He has a very different approach. He is all in all the time on recruiting these guys. And, you know, I I think he supports his guys. I, I don't think it's like a, like that wasn't an accidental retweet. That was, Hey, my guy got a big offer. I'm going to retweet him, and I, I don't care if it's another school. So, uh, you know, he he has a little different approach to recruiting. He's very active on Twitter. You know, you know that this guy has been as excited as anybody to be at South Carolina. So i i kind of I kind of appreciate the different approach that Justin Step takes. And and as you said, man, Chris, you and I have heard it from you know, from, from multiple places separately that this staff has been all over this kid. I actually talked to Antonio briefly um, at that, at that practice. And, you know, I said, well, who's coming at you the hardest? And without hesitation, he he said, South Carolina, that that they've been showing the love. I I think the Gamecocks are in good shape here. This is a kid that grew up, you know, 
watching South Carolina like South Carolina. As I said, competition is getting more difficult. So we'll see if somebody else can catch his attention. But early on, um, Carolina has his attention right now. I, I think it's safe to say. And, you know, talking to one of the guys there that, that sort of helps with the personnel for the seven on seven team, he was just like, he's like, watch Antonio. He's just built differently than the rest of these guys. And that, that's what you're looking for is a guy that's just built differently. He runs routes differently. He's just on a different level athletically than most high school kids. And that I think we all know that that's what South Carolina's got to continue to add to their receiving core. You uh, you got a comp. Uh, people people always ask me to compare guys. Wes, do you have a a comp on Antonio Williams in terms of like play style? Because I, I had one that came to mind a little bit. Uh, not off the top of my head. What you got? The the one that came to mind for me a little bit in terms of play style and like skill set was actually Shy Smith. Um, now I don't want to put that on Antonio because Shy is I mean showed out at the Senior Bowl. We we saw Shy in high school, man, and how good he was, and mm-hmm. what he did on film. We saw him in camp, but they're both similar. They're both about the same size. You know that six foot one seventy one eighty range is where they are. You know they can both play slot, play outside. But stylistically, they're similar in that they're fast. They're good in the open field. They got quality hands. Um, now, shy, straight line is, is really, really fast. But I, I think there's some similarities there, you know. And, and if he obviously, if he turned out to be, you know, close to as good of a player as shy was by the end of his career, that that'd really be something for South Carolina. Yeah. Um, assuming he goes to South Carolina, which. Right. I think um again I, I think they're they're in good shape. They're long way to go, but but we'll see and we'll see if these new offers mean anything, but I uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the kid, man. I'm I'm a fan of his game and I'm I'm a fan of him as a person as well. So I, I think um that is at any time Chris, I I feel like for for me there are such things as perception recruits as well and to me, it would it would be great for South Carolina's perception, not just, you know, take nothing away from the fact they need him because he's a really good wide receiver and they need wide receivers. And that's an important thing for this class. But he's right down the road. He did grow up watching South Carolina. And you have a brand new staff here. And he's a huge priority. It would be huge for the perception of the program to me not to let this kid get away. Absolutely. Because, you know, now are are there going to be kids that every now and then get away, whether they just, you recruit the heck out of them in state and they go somewhere else, or they're going to be some guys that maybe you miss on, you look back and say, shoot, probably, probably could have taken that guy. Maybe so. Particularly, look, if South Carolina builds to the level of program that everybody that's listening to this show hopes, then they're going to be able, you know, in 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 that situation, you're able to go out and pick guys, right? <laughs> More like some of the top programs do now, and so they're going to be guys that maybe like get away. But right now, in the program's development, you can't do that. And right now, we're all sitting here in a position where we're constantly talking about, hey, how did South Carolina not push for Jalen Hyatt? You know, I mean, that, 
from Dutch Fork. That's an example. I mean, you don't want Antonio Williams to be high at part two, where you got a guy who's a good player, um, who's right down the road, who you could get probably, and you don't push. And he goes somewhere else, and then you look back and say, oh, this kid could probably help us. You know, you don't want that with anyone, but especially with Antonio Williams. And they've certainly done a good job of saying, Hey, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't go to South Carolina again, it's not going to be for, for lack of effort on that front. Yeah. And that, you know, frankly, Chris, that's one with, with Hyatt that is going to follow them around yeah. <laughs> for as long as he is at Tennessee, you know, for, for, you know, three, four, whatever it is, that one is going to follow. Now it's a different staff now. So it's not, it's not going to be talked about quite as much, but it will follow the old staff around, I, I think, as a long-lasting memory as far as just a, you know, a mistake, frankly, um, as far as whether to take a guy or not, and that um, that people are going to continue to talk about. So, um, all right, anyway, let's go back. Let's hit some questions, Chris, if I can find them. We had some team questions, I think. Some stuff we've maybe – I would say already talked about a little bit in our breakdowns of the class, but let's see Josh on Facebook. I don't know if Josh is still on here, but he said, which incoming freshman will have the biggest impact and that we can only pick one from offense and defense. And I I will say kind of difficult to do because you are talking about a limited number of guys. If we're just saying freshman, Chris, and, Yeah. You know, who who are you going to pick? I mean, it's kind of hard. I I mean, offensively, you know, the guy that pops in my mind just among freshmen, as far as being most ready to maybe step in, would be like a Juju McDowell. But I look at the running back position. Now, I can tell you Monterey Hardesty is high on him, and I can tell you that Des Kitchings was high on him, and that there was a belief. You know, Shane Beamer said this kid will help us early. Now, is he going to get 20 carries in week one? No. Um, his thing will be, can he beat out Rashad Amos, I think, because you know the first two. Can he beat out Zaquandre White, for that matter, and, and get in the mix? So that that's hard to say. The, the best – Case scenario, Chris, I would think would be if someone like Omega Blake comes in and is just one of those guys that they say, wow, this kid's a little bit better than his ranking and we have to get him on the field. Right. Otherwise, I'm I'm always looking at skill guys as far as being able to play early. On offense, high school-wise, the only guys you have to pick from, from a literal standpoint, are Sam Reynolds, Juju McDowell, Colton Gothier. Again, I'm just doing skill guys. You have a couple of offensive linemen. And then Omega Blake. So yeah. among those guys, who are you picking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might be inclined to go with McDowell too. You know, you, you look at Blake and he plays an even bigger need position in terms of guys, but I don't know. I feel like McDowell's probably a little bit more ready. I do think Wes if we're counting, you know, I don't want to forget special teams as being a key phase of the game and, and a spot where South Carolina is going to need some help, right? From a depth standpoint, you look at like, you know, DB, for instance, are thin. Well, 
you need defensive backs are the types of guys that are going to be playing special teams running backs. I mean, those guys can play on a lot of your special teams units. So uh, Caleb McDowell obviously has experience doing that at the high school level. And from, you know, from as a returner, but not only that, but he's the type that could go out and play, be a gunner for you, go down there and tackle, cover a kick, cover a punt. Uh, he has the mentality because he's got the defensive background as well. So I think, you know, he's someone that may, maybe that's his biggest contribution. You know, maybe he plays in 10 games that's coming here on special teams and ends up playing more snaps than anybody else on that side of the ball. So um, that would probably be my pick. It is, like you said, a tough one. They got 10 freshmen, I think, overall from this class from the high school ranks. Now, my question is for a cheat code, can we pick Debo Williams since he's a freshman? For, I don't think so because he did, he did transfer. He's going to be a true freshman technically, right? But I don't I don't think you can pick him because he's not a high school freshman. Um, but you know, defensively, that's another tough one because when I look at hey, who who would be the first couple of names that would just pop in my head as contributors? It would be somebody like an Isaiah Norris, even though he's not arriving till later. Bam Scott, he's not arriving till later. Those would be the first couple of guys I think of. I might be inclined to go with Colby Fields, West because I like mm-hmm. what he brings in terms of skill set. And I think he's another that, hey, even if he's not pulling down several snaps at linebacker, maybe he's one of those guys that can help you out on special teams. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I wonder, Chris, about a, a guy like Ladarian Craig. Uh, yeah. Not, and for me – I can't sit here and predict that because I I just don't know. I don't know enough about the kid. He was so late on the radar. I'm not sitting here predicting the guy's going to just come in and start or or anything like that. It's just he's a guy I would at least consider uh, as a possibility. Now, whether or not it happens, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. We'll have to see. But not if if we're allowed to pick from you know with Debo Williams, he's the clear. Yeah. favorite for that and but then even then we have we have to remember he's still a freshman even though he's a transfer so I have no idea what realistic expectations are for Debo Williams because he's not this highly recruited guy right we've got it in our minds that he's very underrated and I think that's going to prove to be the case but is expecting him to come in in the SEC and play very well um coming from Delaware football and then having basically a year off um, with what, like a, it was basically a fall practice, I, I guess, sort of. So I, I don't know. We'll see. At least he does get to go through spring with South Carolina. But to expect him just to step in and be a star, probably not quite fair. But we'll see. Um, let's see. Undiscovered Beasts and Strange Phenomena. Interesting name. This is, again, an old question. I don't know if they're still on here or not, but can we go into a little more depth about White's version of the 425 and how it is different than a typical 4-3 um, or a nickel package? Well, that's something, Chris, I kind of now, now that things have settled down a little bit as far as newsy type stuff that I would like to maybe dive into a little bit deeper. Um, you know, you sort of see – if you look at a four-two-five, I mean, it is a nickel package. Now, there's all these different ways you can do it structurally. The, the main thing that I, I think will be interesting to see is 
the fifth DB spot. So you, you have your two corners, you have your two safeties. Will this be more of like that hybrid, you know, spur spot? We're talking, shoot, Rashad Faison back in the day, um, Antonio Allen during the Spurrier era, guys like that. Or will, um, you know, will that spot be more of a true nickel where it's sort of like more of a, of a regular safety or even a cornerback? Or will, will it be both those things? Will it be on early downs, one guy, and, and on later downs, another guy? Obviously, part of the appeal of 425 is that you maybe don't have to change packages a whole lot or change personnel a whole lot, I should say. Um, that that to me, and I, Chris, I don't know what what you've already gathered on that, or if you've heard anything, but that will be the most interesting part of that. Now, you look at the other aspects of this defense, the the four, the the number four in the four two five. Obviously, that that means you're talking about four defensive linemen. One thing we've seen just from watching YouTube is that a lot of times, you know, generally you think of that as being four down linemen. Well, a lot of times these edge guys the defensive ends are actually rushing from a stand-up position so if you look at what they did at western kentucky so still i would say still more questions than answers we will get some clarity on that this spring we'll hear some things but then even then the coaching staff you know they're sort of working through things chris it will change it will evolve potentially from now all the way into the fall yeah, and I think you know. So, so one one thing we got to consider is is will Clayton White you know structure it? Maybe will will there be any differences even from what he ran at Western? I mean, that's that's possible in terms of you know how he chooses to structure things from a personnel standpoint, or you know how how he handles heavy packages, things like that. Um, certainly, mm-hmm. there'll be opportunities where you know you have three down linemen. I don't you know when, when we talk about a four two five, a lot of teams. Nowadays, especially, I mean, you're playing a lot of nickel anyway, you know, just depending on your opponent or depending on how your your offense is structured, the nickel, that fifth DB. Well, Wes, as you said, I mean, it, it's structured differently at different places. You know, I mean, whatever you call it, a, a spur, a rover, a nickel, whatever you may call it. Now, what we do know is that Western, you know, just to give you an example, Takorian Darden was uh, Western Kentucky's starting nickel. Uh, for three seasons, and he was much more of your prototypical defensive back in size. He was 5'9", 190. He was a smaller guy. And now, you know, what they did with him depended on what they were trying to run. Sometimes he's a little bit set back in the formation. Sometimes he's up closer to the line. Um, it, it just depends. Um, and in Clayton White's scheme, you know, you mentioned that the four down linemen, a lot of, you know, what we'd heard about Clayton White and what we've observed since then, just watching some game tape, third downs are going to do some more creative stuff up front, running some games and things like that. And so sometimes it's two down linemen and two stand-up rushers. Sometimes it's three down linemen and one one stand-up rusher. Sometimes it's four down linemen. So it'll give some different looks up front. But that DB, at least at Western, the fifth defensive back, that nickel spot was more of your traditional like nickel back, you know, as, as in a defensive back. Gotcha. And we'll, you know, we'll see how that looks at South Carolina, but yeah, you, you gotta be able to match up. So we'll, we'll see what guy within and, and Chris, 
it could be one of those things here where maybe in year one it looks one way, but as they recruit their own guys, it morphs, it evolves, it, it, it looks differently. So um, let's see. Bryce had a quick question about why is it called a nickel package and uh, is it because the five? Yes. So your your base package, um, in almost all base packages, you're going to have four defensive backs. So whether you're running a 4-3, uh, which would be four down linemen, three linebackers, or 3-4, which would be three down linemen, four linebackers, um, you have those seven guys in your four defensive backs. So once you go to a 4-2-5, that's a nickel package. And then the next step from that would be a dime package, which uh, you remove another linebacker from the field and have six defensive backs on the field. So it's basically, I don't really ever hear it called a 4-1-5, but that, that's basically what it is. It's a 4-1-5. That's a dime. Um, really, you're talking about your personnel. It's not even necessarily, I guess it's kind of a formation, but it's really the the personnel is, is what determines whether um, – you know, it's a four, whether you're calling it a nickel or dime or, or whatever. So, all right, uh, let's see. Seem like there's another question in there. Uh, Patrick on Facebook wants to know how much do we think that we'll hear from the assistant coaches now that Shane Beamer is the head coach? Good question. Chris, I think we're already seeing more of an emphasis on, you know, access, I would say, as far as the coaches go. Um, no, it's going to be within reason, right? It's not going to go back to Steve Spurrier. Hey, everybody come out, grab a beer and watch every practice, back your truck up. Um, you know, what I would call the good old days of watching college uh, college football practices. But there is going to be more access. I think certainly COVID may have an effect this year on spring practice as far as what they do and what they're allowed to do and, and all those things. But let's talk big picture. I, I think as far as guys being, you know, doing more of the Zoom things, um, guys talking to the media more, we don't know yet what that will look like in season, but I certainly get the impression that we're going to hear from these guys a bit more and that Shane Beamer sees the advantage of letting people hear from your assistant coaches and get to know them a little bit from afar and sort of see what they're all about. Yeah, that that's we, – we don't have some sort of policy yet as far – you know, typically preseason we get, hey, here here's when guys are going to be available. Here, here's sort of the structure of the schedule. And, you know, who knows, those things could obviously change, you know, due to COVID and all that. There may be a point where we're doing press conferences in person again. Um and then spring practice, obviously, I mean, Beamer has already gone on record saying he would love to have fans at practices, but obviously it depends, you know, on some of the protocols and things like that. So they'll have to work through that, figure that out. But he's definitely expressed a willingness to, you know, to be more open. So I would – we don't know what that will look like, but I do think that we'll hear from assistant coaches more on a more regular basis at least. And um, so I, I think people will enjoy that, you know, for the most part. You have Gamecock Russ said he's more hyped for this spring game than he has been in a long time. And I'm, you know, Chris, I'm hoping that the fans are going to be able to, to get in there. And I know that the, they're still working through that. I think officially, I would say unofficially, the plan is that they hope to have, 
uh, you know, guys in there that they hope to have fans at, at williams Bryce Stadium. But um, we'll see. That, that's going to be determined by things outside of um, the control of South Carolina and their administration and the coaches and all that. But long term, I, I do think you're going to see more access. And, you know, I, I think it, it had gotten to a point, Chris, there's a bit of a disconnect between the program and the fans. You know, now, is there an online connection, maybe more so than there ever has been with Twitter and stuff like that? 10, 15 years ago, you didn't sort of have that window into kids' lives that you do now with with what they post on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. That is there. Now, some of this was necessitated by by COVID and everything you had to do as far as that goes. But even before, let's take COVID out of the equation. Even before then, I think there there was a bit of a disconnect between the fan base as a whole and the football program. And that's something that I feel like is important to rectify moving forward because your fans are, you know, they're, they're sort of, I know people say recruiting is the lifeblood of a, of a program, but I think in a big picture standpoint, your fans are really the lifeblood of a college football program. So you have to sort of have that connection with your fan base. I believe that is one of Shane Beamer's most important things to get back. If you were going to list five or ten things, that's not something that's necessarily tangible. It's not anything you necessarily can even measure. But to me, Moving forward, it is important, and I think they're taking steps towards it for this fan base to feel more involved with the program and the team that many of them are putting their hard-earned money towards funding. Yeah, and I I think I agree with you that there was a little bit of a disconnect. And look, it's harder for things to be hunky-dory when things are going poorly on the field, right? Because then no matter what, then you get to the – okay, let's start micro-analyzing everything that's said in a press conference. You, you know, you get to that phase, and when that phase happens, that means things have gone poorly on the field, and it's just not good. But you can certainly – it helps a lot when there's that trust, that connection, you know, between um, fan base and team um, for so many different reasons. It, it can really help in some ways that maybe doesn't show up even publicly and maybe doesn't show up on the field, but it, it can be impactful. and. I think we've seen with some ways that Shane Beamer structured the program that that's something that's important to him, that it's a priority. And while we don't know what some of the different, you know, media things are going to look like, access for fans, we've already seen some little hints and some little things that have been done that, that really indicate it will be more open. And so I think when you look at the 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 fan base and the program, that connect, that trust has just been sort of missing, and that's been, that's been you know really two reasons: the, the results and then the connection, and that's just led to you know sort of some trust issues really between the fans and the program. And so to to get those back, obviously things are going to have to turn around on the field, and there will be leeway for that with most reasonable pe- reasonable people understanding where the program is relative to um, some of the other teams that South Carolina competes against. Um. Andy, with a good point here, he says, I know wide receiver is a position of need. What about the guys from last class, Shakari Caldwell, Mike Wyman, et cetera? Um, 
You can throw Rico Powers in there. Still young guys with time to develop. I will be curious to see if they grow under Justin Stepp. And I, I agree, Andy. I, I think, Chris, that, that's something we've talked about. That is a key. Me personally, I, I circle Jakari Caldwell, and I circle Rico Powers, two guys that we've heard a lot of good things about uh, behind the scenes last year. It never quite clicked um, on the game field. That's pretty normal. That's fairly normal for a true freshman. If they're going to get the receiver position fixed in a hurry, it's going to have to involve those guys as well, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, obviously, I think when you look at the roster, the the first two guys that you're sort of pointing to as being hopeful, if you're a Gamecock fan, that they can come in and contribute and help fix, I guess, for lack of a better term, that position or you know, Marion Brown and EJ Jenkins, and then you look to the recruiting class, can someone help there pulling down some snaps or pushing some guys? But there are some guys on the roster that if you could get something from them, they can continue to progress would really be significant. Now, I look at even, you know, those youngsters for sure. Um, Powers and Caldwell saw the field some last year. Can they take another step? That'd be big. But even in Ortre Smith, Drew Davis still on the roster, can he stay healthy? Can he – you know, have his most productive season. Um, these are all questions. And so we're, we're walking into this, you know, spring, not even the season yet, we're walking into spring very much wondering how his receiver going to play out. And it's still a huge question mark. But uh, it, it would be significant if some guys that are already on the roster that have been on the roster, if they can step forward. Let's see. Let's hit a couple more questions before we get out of here, Chris. Um our buddy Fred Cooper, can the defense get better overall, particularly against the run? Whew. Hard to answer now, don't you think? It's very hard. I, man, if we can start answering those with, with dead accuracy, we'll, we'll have it going on. But, um, you know, I, I that, that to me was one of the bigger, I think, surprises last season um, was, you know, the play against the run. I think they missed – Wes, you talk about this all the time, missing Kobe Smith in there. Javon Kinlaw obviously wrecked shop on the inside. So I think in some ways – at times they were missing some size, but I think, you know, when you look at Zach Pickens, I mean, he was a sophomore. He's still in his second year learning how to play inside, seeing more snaps than he'd seen as a true freshman in a new position. So they just need to continue to grow up, stay healthy, build some depth, I think they have a chance to be better there. Now, losing Ernest Jones, for me, is a big question mark. You do get Sherrod Greenback. He missed most of, of last season with injury. Um, so, for me, that's the biggest thing because uh, every, every season we've looked back at this defensive line and they've always had some key injuries. You know, they've ended up hurting them by the end of the season. So, I, I think inside, particularly, you're going to have to have Pickens and Sandage grow up. We talked about that going into last season. It didn't happen probably as much as it needed to, and then they need to be able to stay healthy. Interesting, Interesting question from Jamie, Jamie here. here. He says, he says that the biggest complaint with the prior staff was uh, having injuries pop up right before games. Uh, big picture question here with so many states legalizing sports gambling now, um, Tennessee being one that is close to us. Will college football have required injury reports like the NFL? I think that's coming soon. Be interesting to see if and when sports gambling ever comes to the state of South Carolina. Seems like we are slow on many things uh, such as this, but I 
It's an interesting question, Jamie. And, Chris, I tend to think there may be something there because we know how much, even if publicly, it's not really right to talk about it or it doesn't get acknowledged. Gambling does sort of um, steer things, I I think, with the NFL. And fantasy football can steer things with the NFL. And we know know the NFL has a standard – injury report policy. So that was one thing that was a great source of frustration with a lot of South Carolina fans with Will Muschamp was his policy on injuries and sort of some gamesmanship there with the injuries. I wouldn't be surprised. That's nothing I've heard is definitely on the table, Chris. I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately that becomes something that is looked at. Now, I, you know, I, I think the NCAA has some bigger – issues on their hands right now, Um, you know, namely with name, image, and likeness stuff. What are they going to do with recruiting? What's the plan moving forward with COVID? I don't know if that's high on the list right now, but ultimately as gambling and online gambling and mobile gambling becomes more and more available, that maybe becomes part of the discussion. Yeah, I mean, and it's not a completely new um, thing it has been discussed among the NCAA in the past, and they've, you know, so far elected to not implement something like that. Really, there's there were concerns about, you know, what are the parameters? How do you enforce it? Um, what's sort of the purpose of it beyond gambling? Now, the gambling side has said, well, you know, you're you got some issues there too. So it is maybe a tough thing. And here's another big part of it is is we have to remember that right now. Um, Technically, these student athletes are not employees, you know, Um, some argue that they might be. But I mean, under the law, they're not. Right. And so um, colleges have laws, privacy laws that can back them up right now when they're saying, hey, we don't have to release this stuff. Um, Whereas in the NFL, you got employees, you know, these adult employees in a professional league, um, you can you can do it and get away with it there. You know, and, and that goes back to the maybe the NCAA's concerns on how, how do you enforce this? How, how do you make schools, you know, release this medical information? Maybe if a, a student athlete who's an amateur does not want it out. So does name image likeness change that? Does it does it give these student athletes more of a professional type status to where they say, OK, now. This is a byproduct to that. Now, technically, you could put out injury reports. So it's a little bit messy and um, it, it's hard to. Hard to see how it may play out, but there could certainly be more conversations about that in the future with the gambling aspect, name, image, likeness, and just continuing this conversation. No doubt. doubt. All right. right. Um, I think that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate everybody joining in. Appreciate the questions. Appreciate appreciate the support. Um, It always throws me off when this thing echoes. I I don't know why sometimes, and I don't know if y'all can hear it on y'all's end as well, but sometimes when I start talking again, it echoes right back to me. Um, hopefully that's only me hearing that. I, I think it's stopped now, but, uh, appreciate the show. Appreciate y'all joining us. Appreciate the support as always. If you're listening on the podcast, please go hit, um, the five-star button. Please leave a review. Help us get those reviews up. If you're on YouTube, please hit the like button. Um, please hit the subscribe button and please keep supporting us uh, for Chris. I'm Wes. We will be back on Monday afternoon. And we will see see you then. Everybody have a great weekend.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.